Hey, how many could use a breath of fresh air in your life today? Let me just see your hands. Amen. Maybe a breath of fresh air in your relationships, your marriage, your job, your family. We're in a series that's called that. It's called A Breath of Fresh Air, where we're looking into the life and the source of life that God promised you and I, that we could live lives that are abundant, that are full, and that are meaningful in the purposes of God. So this morning, I want you to turn to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2 is where we're going we're gonna to launch off of today. Uh, we are celebrating Pentecost Sunday. We'll talk a little bit about that in a moment. But we're, we're really looking at this from a perspective of God has more for us than so often we even seek for. God has more for us than when, when we come to him in salvation. He has more for us than just the forgiveness of sin. There is, an, a, there is an empowerment that he wants in our lives that we may live lives that are abundant and full of meaning and purpose, strength, power. But we have a problem. And the problem is really this, and that is that we sometimes stop short of receiving all that God wants for us. Sometimes we short, stop short of what God wants to accomplish in us, and we have this attitude that sometimes goes, God, thank you for forgiving me my sins, but Lord, I'll take it from here, all right? I'll, just, I'll, I'll work it all out in the flesh, and thank you, God. I'll, I'll see you in heaven, but hey, I've got it covered, right? And can I tell you something? When you approach faith and spirituality and, and, and following Christ in that way, you are in for a miserable walk, okay? I'll tell you this, because here's the thing. Our flesh is limited, but his spirit is not. And I believe today that God wants us to open up to more of, of his Holy Spirit. In the book of Galatians, don't turn there, Paul had to address this to the early church. They were like, man, they received the grace of the Lord. They're excited about that. And then they started doing weird stuff in the flesh. They're like, okay, God, we got it. We'll, we'll be the church. Thank you. We got it. And, and Paul said to them, he said, oh, foolish Galatians, Having begun in the Spirit, because listen, you don't come to Christ without the work of the Holy Spirit. He says, having begun in the Spirit, now you're trying to walk it out in the flesh? He goes, come on, something's not going to work in that. So this morning, I invite you to open your hearts up and let God lead us. From what I see in Scripture is his desire for us to have an intimate friendship with God through the person and work of his Holy Spirit. Join me in prayer this morning, and let's dive in. Father, God, I thank you. God, for the privilege of serving you. Lord, to see you working in so many lives, Father. Lord, to see you pouring out your spirit on the hungering and thirsting, God, of the church. And Lord, to see you accomplishing above and beyond, Lord, we can even ask or imagine across this world today. And Lord, we ask you as, as Hope Church, as individuals, but as a church today, Lord, that, Father, you would empower us in, in, in each of our lives, that, Father, we would see you working in a greater way, Father, ministering to our families, our coworkers, our neighbors, our, our world, God, through each one of us. So, Lord, open our hearts today. God, let us have a, a, a spirit that says, come, Lord. Let us have a spirit that says, we want what you have for us, Lord. Let us have a, a desire, Lord, today, God, to go beyond the flesh, Father, and, Lord, to see what happens when we submit our lives to you. God, I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Pentecost Sunday. It's on the calendar. It's one of those days that in the, in the church historically, we either celebrate in one of two ways. We either, we either acknowledge it as a historical event 
or we embrace it as saying what God has done in the church, he is still doing and wants to do in our lives today. I said last week that it's easy for some believers to keep the Holy Spirit in the stained glass than it is for them to open their lives up and say, have your way in me work in my life. And we've been talking about who the Holy Spirit is and his purpose in our lives. Now, you didn't come for a history lesson this morning. Can I get an amen to that, all right? Uh, I'm not Professor Mike, I'm Pastor Mike. But, but you have to understand just a little bit of history to understand what's taking place in the scripture reading today. Jewish calendar, three big celebrations three major events that took place that are celebrated year in and year out. One is the Feast of Passover. And the Feast of Passover was celebrating when the Jews were exiled into Egypt, when they were slaves in Egypt, and the Lord delivered them. Think Ten Commandments, think Charlton Heston for a moment. There was the night when the Lord told the, Moses to lead his people to say, look, you put a blood of a lamb over your doorpost because I'm sending the angel of death into Egypt, and the firstborn of every family is going to die. But if the blood is there, you'll be saved. And it was a night of deliverance. That's what broke the back of the, of the power of the, of the Pharaoh and the, and the children of Israel were set free. And we used to sing about that in church. When, when I see the blood, it will pass over me. And it reminded us of what Jesus has done, that through the shedding of his blood, we have life. Second feast was, was celebrated 50 days after that, and that was the Feast of Pentecost, which we're going to talk about today. And that was a reminder that it was 50 days after they came out of Egypt that the Lord gave the law to Moses on Mount Sinai. When he, when he gave the Ten Commandments, he, he set it out. And they, they celebrated that because that was the time when God said, listen, I'm, I'm going to be with you and I'm going to lead you into a life that others will want to have. And, and again, that was the Feast of Pentecost. There's one other feast called the Feast of Tabernacles, and that's just where they celebrate uh, really how God brought them through the wilderness. So all this was a historical look back for the Jewish people, but for us, the church, we see it a little different today because something happened on the day of Pentecost, we read about in Acts chapter 2, that is still rocking the world this day. In fact, as we read it this morning, I, I'm just, I have to tell you, I have been so personally enriched and challenged uh, studying and preparing for this series because just like you, we have ebbs and flows sometimes of our, our relationship with God. And, and quite honestly, I, I realized through studying this how much I'd kind of fallen back away from just saying, Holy Spirit, I, I want you to be everything that the Word says that you are in my life. Because we learned last week that the, the Holy Spirit says that he will lead us into all truth. And we all need to understand truth in a day with so many voices that are opposing the things of God. He said he'd be our teacher and our helper. He'd remind us of all that Jesus said. He said, I will be in you. He is the comforter, the advocate, the friend, the one who walks right beside me. He's literally that breath of fresh air. And it's been, it's been that way in my life through this time because I see God just bringing me even personally closer back to that living, Lord, with, uh, with the expectation of your Holy Spirit guiding my life. You see, this event we're gonna read about, in, in my opinion, in my opinion, it's one of the three greatest events of all of history. If you think about it from the perspective of those who are followers of Jesus Christ, there's three great events. There was the coming of Christ, the birth of Christ, where he came as Emmanuel, God with us. And we celebrate that at Christmas time, right? Then, then we, we know that he was the one who went to the cross and died for our sins and rose from the grave. And we celebrate that at Easter. But I believe this event, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that we're going to read about in Acts chapter 2, is one of the greatest events in history because it changed everything. 
It was, it was a paradigm shift for the world because what we will see today is this. God went from being God with us to God in us. And I don't know about you, but that makes a big difference. Because if God is in me, then I have a continual flow of his guidance, his strength, and his power for my life. So let's read this, Acts chapter 2. We're going to read down through verse 13 verses. Please don't give me a hard time for trying to pronounce some of these places, because honestly, I butcher them every time, okay? But you get the point. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Your Bible may say they were in one accord. We'll talk about that in a moment. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to do some strange things. Well, that's not what the Bible says, but I think you'll, you'll agree in just a moment. It says, And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And there, now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. And utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Let me just stop right there. That was not a compliment, okay? What they were basically saying, wait, these people are like, from the boondocks. These, these, are the, these are the hicks. And how in the world do they learn our sophisticated languages from all these parts of the world? And they, were, they weren't confident. They're like, wow, what's going on here? Utterly amazed. Aren't these all who are speaking Galileans? Then how is, that each of them hears, how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring, look at this, the wonders of God in our own tongues. And amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Now, you can go further and you'll read that later in that day, Peter stood up. Peter, the one who denied Christ three times. Peter stood up in that moment and he preached the good news of Jesus Christ. And 3,000 people were saved that day. And literally the church was birthed in that moment. The church that has now exploded around the world. Listen, that, that's a, it's, it's a unique thing that was happening at the day of Pentecost. Some, some would say it's even weird if you look at it from a logical point of view. And I would have to agree, that's, that's pretty weird stuff that was going on. I mean, big wind, tongues of fire coming, and now people speaking in languages they didn't even know. But... If you study scripture, you have to recognize that Jesus, upon his resurrection, told his disciples to expect this. He told them that there was something coming to them in Luke 24, verse 49, where he said, I'm going to send you what my father has promised. There, there was an expectation from the words of Christ that he had something for the early disciples. So they, that they would literally, before they would go out and do anything, Listen, his, his last words weren't go and, go and preach. His last words were go and wait. In Jerusalem, till you receive the power from on high, then you'll be my witnesses throughout Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. There was a promise that God had for them, but he expected them to wait to receive it. And they obeyed him. They went. They, they went to Jerusalem. They went to the upper room. I honestly can't imagine they really had a clue of what all was fixing to take place, okay? I, I, don't, I don't think they had any kind of knowledge of what they would experience, but here's what they did. They were obedient to the Lord. 
You see, I believe something about God. I believe that, that he, he works in people who are willing to trust him in every area. Now, I have a question for you this morning. Just to, from a historical standpoint, if you look at the day of Pentecost, you have to answer this question. Was that just a sovereign day of God? I mean, did he, did he pick a day on the calendar and said, okay, on that day, I'm pouring out my Holy Spirit, whether they're ready or not, okay? It's just, it's gonna happen. It, you know, do you, do you believe it's just a sovereign event? I, yeah, I believe it is. I believe that God does what God wants to do when God wants to do it, how God wants to do it. That's, that's a sovereign God. Would you agree with that this morning? I mean, he, he does things in the fullness of his time. But I also believe that the disciples of Jesus met some conditions in their heart in order for this event to have its full impact on their lives and upon the ministry of the church. You see, if you want the Holy Spirit to breathe that fresh air into you, if you want the Holy Spirit to anoint you to live in the fullness of the life that Christ promised us and the works that we would accomplish would be the things that he did on this earth, if we want God, the Holy Spirit, to blow into our lives and empower us, there are some conditions that we control that make this possible by creating an atmosphere that welcomes the Holy Spirit into our lives. Church, God does his part, but we've got to do ours. God, God did everything he could for us to be saved, but how many know you have to, by faith, take hold of what God did in order to be saved from our sins? Would you agree with that this morning? There, there's a part that he wants us to recognize that we've got to do in our lives. See, God is sovereign, and he promised the Holy Spirit to be poured out on all flesh. He says the, the wind is going to blow, all right? The wind is going to come, but to catch the breath of fresh air, we've got to open the windows of our life. We've got to open up the window and let that air come in to us. Now, this morning, what I want to do is I want to start a teaching. We're going to finish next week on Father's Day because there's too much to try to throw at you in one day here. But there, there's, there's some windows in our lives that are closed. And we've got to open them if we want the breath of fresh air to come in. Growing up back in Texas, uh, my family was a family that hunted. Don't hate me, okay? We, we were into all of it. We hunted. If it, if it flew or if it walked and it was game that could be eaten, we, we hunted it, Okay. And my dad, being the veterinarian, he worked out a deal that we got to hunt a 2,300-acre ranch in, in West Texas every year. Now, you can imagine 2,300 acres. You can get lost on that sucker, all right? And it was called Mountain Home. Now, if you've ever been part of the Texas that, that that was in, their mount is about the size of one of our overpasses, okay? But that was a mountain in, in West Texas. And every year we'd go out there, and they called it a hunting lodge. Really, it was a cabin, Okay. And every time we'd get in, I remember we'd, we'd get there, we were so excited, we, we'd run inside, and the cabin had been closed up for a long time. My mom would always like, hey, hey, open the windows, get some fresh air in this place. Come on, you gotta, you gotta create an atmosphere. Let's get this thing cleaned out a little bit. And I'll tell you, church, in the same way, for the fresh air of the Holy Spirit to come in, remember the, the first teaching two weeks ago, the, the breath of God for it to come in, we've gotta open some windows. So I'm gonna talk about four windows that, that were found, or four conditions that were found in the disciples at the day of Pentecost that need to be opened for us to experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. Because these, these windows, if we open them, they create a condition where the Holy Spirit is comfortable to work in our lives. I, I don't know about you, but I want the Holy Spirit comfortable in my life. I, I don't want to create a life that pushes him away. I want him to be comfortable in my life. So if you're taking notes this morning, we're going to talk about two of these windows. Then next week, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna wrap those up as we finish this series. The, the first window that is, is this, and that is the Holy Spirit works in a heart that is fully submitted to Christ. 
He, he works in lives that are fully submitted to Christ. Think about it. These early disciples loved Jesus, and they submitted their lives to him. They followed his teaching. They followed his commands. I mean, if you, if you follow just the historical track of this, the only reason they were in the upper room in Jerusalem is because God, through Christ, told them to go there. And they obeyed. They went. They followed the words of Christ. It was a direct command of the Lord. Check this out in Luke 24. These are some of the last words of Christ to his disciples. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. Check, that had been done. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. Still working on that. I'm going to send to you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. Listen, he said, guys, listen, you got to go and you got to get into Jerusalem. And I want you to wait there for the promise of God. Now, what did they do? Pretty amazing, especially in our culture. They actually obeyed. They, 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 they were like, yeah, okay. Resurrected guy tells us to go do something. How many think you'd follow that, all right? You know, you know he was dead. We saw him. He's alive now. He wants, okay, we will, we will do that. They, they went and obeyed. They went to the upper room, all of them. You see, the Holy Spirit is really comfortable working in the life of one who is submitted to the Lord. For a submissive heart is where his anointing and where his power are evident. He's comfortable there because he himself, listen to this, he himself is fully submitted to God. Remember, if you study the Word of God, the God, Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Jesus, when he walked on this earth, was fully God and fully man, yet he submitted his life to the Father. The Holy Spirit, in the same way, fully God, submits himself to the will of the Father. It's a lifestyle, it's a pattern that opens our lives up to the anointing and power of the Holy Spirit. He told them, you go wait. You go up into the city, you go into Jerusalem. Now, just a little side note I think is really interesting. I, I picked this up when I was studying. Jerusalem was, was more known as, as the Jerusalem, the city of peace. He said, I want you to go up to the city of peace, and I want you to wait on the Lord. You see, Jesus told them to go and wait in this place of peace to receive the promise from the Father. But here's the problem. One of the most challenging things God ever asks you and I to do is wait, isn't it? What do you mean the answer of prayer hasn't come yet? What do you, what do you mean that that?" that that I've got to wait on the Lord. Are you kidding me? I mean, we're in, the, we're in the instant age. We expect everything right now. Listen, church, there are things that he causes us to wait on trusting him and walking in that place of peace. In fact, we are never, we, listen, we are never really submitted to the Lord. We are never fully submitted to him in any area of our life unless we are walking in peace, trusting in the promises of our God. See, that's not what we do. We get worried when he doesn't come through in the time we want him to come through. And we get anxious and we get stressed. And what do we do? We start being manipulative. We start trying to make it happen in our own power. Can I tell you something? When we do that, you do not find the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit evident in that moment. What you find is a lot of flesh, and usually it leads us to trouble, but we do it also uh, quite often. It is impossible uh, it is, I tweeted this out this week. I, I, Mark Batterson, one of our great friends, wrote this, and I tweeted it back, and some of you responded. And it's this. It is impossible to be filled with the Holy Spirit when we are full of ourselves. Think about that for a second. If we're like God, we don't need you. We got this covered. 
okay, <laughs> you're on your own. It's impossible. You see, when the Lord Jesus is, our, is the Lord of our lives, we will learn to wait in peace no matter what the circumstance. But the problem, again, is we don't like waiting, and we've got to learn it. Listen, we are always in a hurry. We're always in a hurry, aren't we? We were busy, we're going, we're time, everything's on the watch. I mean, goodness, I got a clock right there telling me, hurry up, Mike. You know, we were always in a hurry. But not only are we in a hurry in time, we are inundated with information constantly. Now, some of it's like needless information, like most of Facebook. But I mean, we're, we have a lot of information at all times. I don't care that your dog ate peanut butter. I just, you know what I'm saying? It doesn't, it doesn't really do anything in us, but it's taking up space in our brain because we're constantly bringing all this information into us, and here's the problem. The Holy Spirit speaks to us in a still, small voice. But in our day, you'd think he'd need to shout to get through to us because we're so busy. We don't like to wait. I mean, think about it. Do you pick the longest line in the grocery store or the shortest? Come on, talk to me. When you get in traffic, what do you do? You look for the shortest line, right? I don't know about you, but I have the gift of being wrong in all those occasions. I can guarantee you if I pick the shortest line in the, in the grocery store, the woman's going to whip out like 100 coupons, okay? It's just not going to happen. And I'm like, I just want a Coke, okay? Can I please come through? You know, in line, it just, I, can't, I can't do it. I heard someone say the other day that if you want the quickest line in traffic, never get behind a minivan. I don't know where they got that, but I thought there's probably some truth to that, you know? But we, we do. We, we're bad at it. We don't like waiting. But waiting is a test of submission to Christ. Listen, there's times he wants you to wait on him for his financial provision and promises to come true in your life. I've had people before, we've led them into knowing Christ, we've led them into his life, we, we've taught them how that he wants to be Lord of everything, and, we, we, and they, start, they start giving to the Lord, they start tithing, and like three days later, like, well, he said he would like take care of it, I still have bills, I mean, when's he gonna, you know, and then we get this like anxiousness because we're not willing to wait for God's promises to come true in our lives. Relationships, are you kidding me? Wait on God because he wants to bring someone in my life? Or, come on, I'm gonna go to the bars and everywhere else so I can find that right one. Can I tell you, the Holy Spirit's not working in the bar. If you're going there to find a mate, good luck. You'll be in counseling with John and I very soon. I'm just telling you, it's just going to happen. But, you know, we get so anxious. I don't want to be alone, God. I want, to, I want somebody, and, and we're praying, Lord, your will be done, and then we, like, put God over in a corner and say, now I'll be back later where I go find the will, okay? Instead of letting God bring about what he wants in our lives. It's a matter of submitting ourselves to him. Our occupation, I know we get stressed on that. But God, I, I want a good job. And, you know, we, we get all stressed and everything. And our future, what's going to happen to us? We just have to learn to wait. Because if, if you haven't figured it out yet, you're not in control. God is. And you, and you got to learn to wait on him because when you wait, you're submitting to the Lord. Listen, listen to this carefully. The Holy Spirit doesn't empower anything that is not at peace with God, fully submitted to him. You might, you might write that one down. The, the Holy Spirit is, I'm going to say thank you. The Holy Spirit, I was about to. The Holy Spirit doesn't empower anything that is not at peace with God, fully submitted to to him. I mean, look at the pattern. It says the 120 
Go to Jerusalem. Wait. Now, listen, he could have, the moment they stepped into the upper room, boom, wind, fire, tongues, all right? No, they waited 10 days in the room. I'm sorry, but if that commandment happened today and he said, hey, I want you to be at Mallor Creek High School at 10 o'clock and I want you to wait for 10 days, I tell you what, maybe one or two of us would still be sitting here after 10 days. We were like, well, God, sorry, you know, you didn't fit our calendar. We're out of here. He immediately put them in a place where they had to wait to show their submission, their obedience, and the ability to wait in peace for the Lord. So the first window we got to open for the breath of fresh air to get in is the submission to God, that submission to the Lord, obedience to him in all areas. Listen, this is very practical if you think about it. Uh, It gets very practical. The Word of God says when we're saved, one of the first things we ought to do is be baptized in water. Do Do we agree with that? It's a command of the Lord. But I have so many people, I'll find them 10 years, 15 years, 20 years down the road being saved. Like, hey, you ever been baptized in water? No. I don't want to get dunked in front of everybody. But you wonder why the Holy Spirit's not working in your life? If you won't even obey on a simple thing like that, and you want the God of all heavens to pour out his Holy Spirit's power in your life? Listen, it comes down to very simple, practical things. Honoring his house, honoring him in praise, honoring him with giving. All these things, they're not merit points to earn our way to salvation or to heaven. That's already been taken care of. But what they are is they're saying we are fully submitted to God. And if we are fully submitted to him, then we want and we can expect and we can ask for the power of his Holy Spirit to be working in us. So the first window is submission to the Lord. The second one, and you're like, Mike, this is like not fun. The spirit of unity is the second window that we need to open. Now, now I know this is more corporate than individual, but there's some individual application I want you to hear today. Acts 2.1 says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Now, now some translations say they were in what one accord. Now, now, the Greek language there, it can be de- determined either way. It means in the same place or of one heart. But as we will see, the Scripture tells us they were of one heart and one mind. They, were, they had one spirit. They had one focus about them. They were in agreement together that they were waiting on the Lord. And what was going to happen was going to happen by God if they were trusting in Him. You see, put all of us, this is kind of a great word picture for us, Okay. 120 in the upper room. That's about the size of Hope Church. Put us all in a room. Now, we're Americans. We're individualistic. It wouldn't take us five minutes for somebody to go, you know, I really think we've got to be kneeling right now, don't you? I mean, if God's going to send us, let's all kneel, right? And someone's like, no, I think we should be standing with our hands raised. And, you know, Matt needs to be leading us in some songs right now. No, no, not that song, but, you know, the song we like. And, and then we'd be like, you know, I don't like the color of the carpet in this place. And who, who ordered that coffee? That's kind of strong, you know? And, and we'd be like, just like trying to take over everything instead of just waiting, praying, seeking the Lord. You see, they weren't arguing. They weren't complaining. They, they, were, they were not focused on who ought to be in the room and who shouldn't be in the room. They were submitted to the Lord and had given place to a spirit of unity that welcomes the Holy Spirit into that place. See, you'll never find the Holy Spirit moving to the extent that he did in the early church among divided people. You just won't find it. You won't find it. He is grieved. The Word says he is grieved. 
by disunity. He's offended by disunity. He's offended when we don't get along. Now, I understand unity. I'm not talking about a, a unanimity of opinion. Listen, we are all different, and we are all very different. Look at your neighbor and say, you're really different. Would you do that? Because some of you really are. But uh, it's not a unanimity of opinion, but it's a unity of the Spirit. They, they, don't, don't miss this. There were 120 individuals that were up in the upper room that day. But their focus, their commitment, their submission to the Lord was singularly unified. Listen, God doesn't want us to all be the same. Praise God. It's our diversity that makes us strong. It's the differences in us in relationship that make us strong. Listen, you will learn more about the ways of the Lord through relationships with people that are not like you than anywhere else in life. That's why God has to laugh every time somebody gets married. I mean, you think about it. You take two selfish individuals, put them together, and say, now, till death do you part, work it out. Work it out. And the only way it works is if they are fully submitted in their lives to Christ and then fully submitted to one another until they create the spirit of unity in their family that allows the Holy Spirit to bring their relationship to the fullness that God has for them. That was good counseling, Harrison, actually, and Josh and Hannah and a few others. I mean, it, it only comes when we are fully submitted to God. Think about it. In the church, we're one body, Right? We, we are one body in the church, and we are connected to bodies all around the world. We are one part of the, of the body of Christ. But it's hard. It's hard to strive for the spirit of unity when we are so focused on our own individualism that we're not committed to one another in love. And, and we, we've done it to ourselves. I'm going to go to church for what I can get. Well, good luck with that. Because unless you're willing to give, you're not going to get a whole lot. Give of yourself to others. Give of yourself in service. Give of yourself to worshiping the Lord. You see, we, we've been so individualized that we forget that God called us to be one body in the Christ. Corinthians talks about it. He says every one of us is uniquely formed together. We can't all be the eyes, and we can't all be the lips, and we can't all be the hands, but we all have a part. And none of us wake up in the morning and say, I hate my big toe. I'm not hanging out with the big toe anymore because the big toe offended me. That'd be stupid, wouldn't it? Cut it off, right? But that's what we do in the body of Christ sometimes. I don't, Pastor, I don't like you making us sit so close to each other. Now I've got to like, act like I like that person over there, you know? I'm watching the patterns. I'm watching where you sit since we've changed the arrangement around here. I'm going to learn a lot about you in the next few weeks. But we, we do that. We're so individualized. It's like, it's all about me. It's just what I need. It's what I get. Why would I serve anybody else? Come on. And when we do that, what we're doing is we are creating an atmosphere where the Holy Spirit is not welcome in our lives. Listen, the devil knows the power of unity, and he does everything he can to disrupt it in our lives. You say, well, how does he know it? Because he was close to the Trinity before he was expelled from heaven. He saw how God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit worked together, and he knows there's power in unity. He fights constantly to divide. He fights constantly. That's why we got to guard unity. That's why we got to even fight for it. Listen, the powerful witness 
that, that we have on this earth is not our individualistic relationship with Christ. It's what we do together as the body of Christ that might be called hope, that might be called Freedom House, that might be called the river, because we're all in the same boat together, and we're trying to shine the light of the good news of Jesus Christ out into this world. You see, the early church, we, we look at it and we read the scripture and goes, well, yeah, man, if we saw like dead people coming back to life and live people dying because they lied to the Holy Spirit or, or we saw miracles, then yeah, the world would stand up and notice that. But can I tell you, I believe the greatest witness of the early church was not only the signs and wonders, it was their fellowship. The, the Greek word's the quantania. It was that togetherness. The Bible says that they had all things in common. There was something powerful about how they lived. Before the church formed, let me tell you, gang, in the culture of that day, before the church formed, women had no value whatsoever. There was slavery going on. There was a great, you think we have strata right now between the rich and the poor, it was unbelievable. And here comes these Christians that go, we're all one. And Roman culture says that can't happen. That, that no. Women, are, we're one, and they're like, yeah, through Christ, we are. And that was the greatest witness that turned this world upside down because they said God loves us, he values us, he values every one of us, we are gonna be unified, and we're gonna walk together in 100% commitment to the unity of the body of Christ. That's why the devil fights against the gang. That's why he fights against your marriage. That's why he fights against churches, because he knows the power of unity. L listen carefully this morning. On an individual basis, you cannot be a person that lives in disunity with other people and expect the Holy Spirit to anoint you to work in your life, he just won't do it. He won't do it. It, it grieves me when I hear stuff like, well, I'm going to be near them, but I'm not talking to them, Pastor, because I'm just not doing that. It, it grieves me when I see people that are believers that, that won't even hang out because they're like, you know, I, I, I'm just, they, they did something to offend me 25 years. Who cares? Get over it. That's Mike's counseling for the morning. Get over it. Because the unity of the body of Christ is more important than your individual feelings, your individual values, your individual desires. You see, when you're out of fellowship with your fellow man, you're out of fellowship with God, and it grieves the Holy Spirit. And it's the same in the church. If you love Jesus, if you love Hope Church, you have, a challenge, you have to challenge any form of disunity that would keep the Holy Spirit from fully operating on our behalves, because division is always the work of the devil. And uh, how many know that you would not want God to hate something in your life? Would you, would you raise your hand to that? Would you agree with that? You wouldn't want God to say, I hate that. But you know in Proverbs, one of the seven things he hates is disunity, discord. He hates gossip, he hates murmuring, he hates that spirit. We need to love one another. It's more important than being right. See, unity requires some effort on our parts. In fact, it requires diligent effort. Ephesians 4, 3 says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. It's, it's everyone's responsibility to work on that. It's, it's not just leadership. It's everyone's responsibility. Make every effort, it doesn't say pastors, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Because whenever we don't, we're not only hurting ourselves, we're hurting the church because we're grieving the Holy Spirit in our midst. God loves unity. The Holy Spirit is comfortable when we are submitted to the Lord. The Holy Spirit is comfortable when there is unity in our lives. 
We've got to make every effort to guard it. And when it's not there, the second thing we've got to do is we've got to man up and be willing to discipline those who are causing it. Didn't expect yeehaw or an amen there. Woohoo! Conflict. Yeah, man, we live for conflict. That's great stuff. But how many know that sometimes we got to step into something to correct it? Romans 16, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you've learned. Keep away from them. <laughs> Say, Mike, how do you do that? Can I, I be honest with you? I don't like doing that. I don't, I don't like conflict. But if someone's disrupting the unity of the body of Christ, we're going nose to nose. Because God expects that, and God will judge me for that. Because he has asked me to be the under-shepherd of Jesus Christ in this body. But here's the thing, guys. You want to know how you do it? <laughs> if someone is causing disunity, if they're gossiping, they're murmuring, they're complaining, they're, they're divisive in their spirit, you, you just got to do something. You got to look them right in the eye. Because guess what? They've come to you for a reason. They, there's some trustment. They've come to you. Your, your cop-out is go see Pastor Mike. Don't do that, okay? Look them in the eye. Say, I got a word from God. Stop it. Knock it off. I'm not going to listen to it. I'm not going to give party to it because I will not be a part of this unity. <laughs> I will not hurt my family, my church, by letting the Spirit into what we're doing. I value the work of the Holy Spirit too much. You can't do this. What you're saying is evil, what you're saying is sinful, and what you're saying is wrong, so knock it off. You say, Mike, I'll lose a friend. You may gain someone that in eternity will go, thank you for being bold enough to bring me out of a bad place and allow me to come to a place that honors God and his kingdom. Quick story, we're gonna wrap this up. Um, little insight into sermon preparation. Um, when God leads me in a direction of teaching, it's not a matter of me just going into my study and pulling aside every resource I can and, and studying so I can come up with a couple of good stories and good scripture so you can go away and go, man, that was great stuff. But I start preparing in a very simple way, and that is this. I asked the Holy Spirit, <laughs> I said, where in my life am I not submitting to you? Where, where might I be limiting what you're doing? And I prayed that several weeks ago when knowing this series was coming. And, and you know what the Holy Spirit spoke in my heart was? Unity. I said, what do you mean? You see, we think we're all good, right? What do you mean? And he reminded me that in my fellowship, among the pastors that I serve in this area, among the people that are part of the organization that ordained me, I was kind of sideways with a couple of them. We'd, we'd had some personality conflicts a few years back. We kind of went, I'll see you in heaven, but I don't want to have coffee with you. And I knew what I had to do. Called him up. I said, we're having coffee. And in Starbucks up in Concord, I sat there with tears in my eyes. I said, I'm sorry. They're like, for what? I said, I've hated you for a long time. I'd just soon step on you than look at you. Gut level honest. I mean, it's like, I'm sorry. I, I've been harboring some stuff. It wasn't right. It wasn't right. I ask you to forgive me. 
It's the coolest thing happened. Not only was there an exchange of forgiveness, communication, but out of that one meeting this past week, we were able to gather the 12 pastors that served the Charlotte area in our movement together in one place and with tears in our eyes look at them and say, look, God has called us to minister to this city together. And we've got to figure out a way because we're better together, not apart. And there was repentance, there was tears, and now there is an ongoing plan to say we're going to work together. Church, I believe the Holy Spirit honors when we honor Him by fighting against disunity. I believe God honors us when we come and say, listen, God, I want what you want because, Lord, it's what you want that matters. And next week, we're going we're gonna to talk and we're going to close this up with two windows. We're going to open two more windows. We're going to talk about our, our speech next week and we're going to talk about boldness, okay? So, so please mark it and do your best to be here. I know it's Father's Day. It's going to be a great day. But church, listen, if we want the anointing If we want to experience all the Bible says the Holy Spirit is to us, because after all, he is God in us. If we want to experience that helper, that friend, that advocate, that one that leads us into all truth, that one that equips us with power, that one that that puts into us spiritual gifts that that flow and and impact lives. If If we want that kind of God functioning in our lives in our church, then it begins by having a submissive spirit to the Lord saying, Lord, what's important is your will be done above all else. It's saying to God, I'm going to do what you say, Lord. I'm going to follow you. As for me and my house, God, I'm going to wait on you in peace. I'm going to stop striving. I'm going to listen to you, Lord. Lord, I'm going to create space for quietness in my life. I may hear you. Church, if I threw a challenge out there today, that may be one of the greatest challenges. This week, get quiet. Get quiet. Put away the iPod. Put away the distractions. Put away your cell phone. Lose it for a few days. Turn the radio off and you're going down the road. Get quiet. And say, Holy Spirit, speak to my life. If we're going to have the anointing, if we're going to have the power of the Holy Spirit in us, then we've got to build a spirit of unity, guys. And I'm talking to a church that I don't know that we have any issues of disunity in the church. I'm not trying to throw a grenade because we got a problem. But I'm telling you, on an individual basis, if we are in disunity, whether it's with our family, whether it's with our neighbors, whether it's with people around us, whether it's me with a fellow pastor, take care of business. Because I'm telling you, we live in a world today that needs the church. We live in a world that needs the church fully powered, fully equipped by God. We live in a world today that nice sayings and, and little biblical stories, David and Goliath, all those are great. But I'm telling you, the needs are greater in this world than just nice little Christians. This world is looking for empowered Christians that aren't ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ and are willing to let the Holy Spirit work in their lives to bring out His glory and His honor. So what do we do? What do we do? We open the windows. I want you to stand with me this morning. You're going to be thankful I made this a two-parter because, man, if I try to keep going, we'll be here all day.
There's so much power and truth in this. What do we do? Listen, gang, it all begins with submission to Christ. It all begins there. Some of you are waiting. Maybe you've never asked God to come into your life and Christ to be your Savior because you're kind of waiting for God to do it. There's a cross over to my left over there. And the message of that cross every week is this. He's already done it. He's already done it. You, you don't have to make yourself better or, or be good. or No, he's already done it. But you have to, by faith, take hold of that and say, okay, that I'm going to trust him. And when I trust him, he's going to forgive me and he's going to bring new life into me. That's salvation. And I'll tell you guys, that's where you got to begin. That's where all of us that are followers of Christ begin. But there's something beyond that. Some of you have been taught there's nothing beyond that. There's something beyond that. And that is to come and say, Holy Spirit who is in me, because <laughs> he comes into us upon salvation, now I want you to equip and empower me to live beyond just the fleshly existence of this earth. This morning, I'm going to ask you to do something. We're going to ask us to pray in just a moment. And ask God to help us. If there's any area of our lives that aren't submitted to Him, then before you come for communion this morning, listen, the Word says before you have communion, 1 Corinthians 11, it says a man ought to examine himself. So we don't just come up and slurp up to the table for some bread and some juice. And we come up there and say, I am fully submitted to God, and I thank Him for the bread, the brokenness of Jesus' body, the cup, the juice, the blood that was shed. That's when communion gets power. So when we pray, I want you just to examine yourself. The second is to ask God, Lord, if there's any point of disunity in my life, God, help me today, God, to take care of business. Help me today to take care of business. Then when we come to respond in a moment, the band's going to lead us in a song. It's a powerful song. I love this song. They're going to lead us in this song. Then I'm going to ask you to respond to God, to, to move out and to, to answer the question, what does God want you to do about this this morning? I'm asked Pastor David Williams and, and Pastor Scott Miller to, to be on the sides here. And they're going to be willing to pray and, and anoint anybody that says, I want to be open for more of the Holy Spirit's work in my life. I'm going to be the first one to show up for that prayer. Because church, it's not a matter of an experience and you check it off. It's saying, Lord, I want you flowing in my life every day. So Father, help us. God, help us to wait on you. God, maybe it means this week getting alone, taking something out of our schedule. Just honestly and openly before you say, Lord, if you have more for me, if the Holy Spirit is more than maybe what I've been taught to believe, then Lord, empower me, equip me, fill my life. Father, I ask, God, that, Lord, you would help us all. God, to realize that this salvation is so great. Your grace is amazing. Lord, help us to realize, God, that, Lord, you were, we were bought with a price, the blood of Christ. And, Lord, as we recognize that, Lord, let us begin to see, God, that, Lord, you want us to accomplish the very works of Christ in our community, in our world. And, Lord, we can't do that without your power. And, Lord, we're no better than your early disciples. We need your power. So, Father, fill us. Fill us to overflowing.